Do you know what I'm, I'm feeling this morning? It's like I'm saying to God, like, how do I get what's in here out here? It's like sometimes our words just feel so frustrating. It's like when you see what God's done for us, what Jesus has done for us on the cross, when we sing those songs, when we hear that testimony, it's like, how do we get what's in here out here? But that's what I'm going to try and do this morning. A picture I had just briefly was um, uh, God's love for us is like a tidal wave. And so often we have this cup and reading through the book of Ephesians, we're going to be carrying on through our series in Ephesians. It's like trying to catch a tidal wave in a cup and it feels so insignificant. But this morning my prayer is this, let's get rid of the cup and just let God's word just wash over us. Whatever he has to say for you this morning, receive it. His love for you, his acceptance of you, how he's given you a new identity in him. Let that just wash over you this morning. Get rid of the cup. Don't try and catch it in this wee, wee thing. Just get rid of that. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever joined in a film halfway through or watched a series which you have no idea what's about. Well, me and Abby were doing that this weekend. So I have never watched Doctor Who before apart from like a Christmas special here or there. So really, I, I don't really know the storyline. I don't really know the characters. I don't know the backstory. So Friday night, we stuck on the new series with this um, with the Sheffield Lass, whatever her name is. I can't remember her name. Um, but uh, yeah, so watching that, Abby cooked us a lovely dinner, um, pretty stuffed, dessert as well. So by the time it got to halfway through, I was, I was struggling here. <laughs> It was the end of a long week, and I I just conked out. And I ended up waking up towards the end of it, just literally no idea what was happening. No idea at all. Couldn't couldn't put two and two together. Didn't know what she was talking about. Didn't know who these weird creatures were. Like, just no idea at all. So often in our life, we can go through it feeling like we just don't know the bigger picture. It's like we've missed a few episodes or we've missed the blurb or we've, we've missed something. Uh, and we ask questions like, who am I in this, in this world? Who am I in this story? What story am I part of? Where do I belong? And in the book of Ephesians, there is so much about our identity and answering those core questions. And two of those key questions we're going to consider today are these. Who am I? And where do I belong? And this talk is really part two, following on from what Archie said last week. So he started off in the in the first bit of chapter two, and he spoke about how before God, before knowing Jesus, before he gave us that life, before he spoke his words of life to us, we were dead before him. We were spiritually dead. But in in what Jesus did for us on the cross. He's given us this new life, given us this new identity in him. And so today we're going to be asking the question, well, what is our identity in Jesus? What does that mean? What does that look like? Where where do I belong? So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to be reading verses 19 to 22. Yes, wonderful, Robert, if you can hand those Bibles out. Stick your hand up if you need a Bible. I'll just give you a moment to find the passage. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 19. Anybody else? 
wonderful. It is going to be on the screen as well, so you'll be able to follow along. Right from verse 19. Consequently, hence why I said this is part two. So part one, if you've missed last week, go and listen to it. Very important. And this is following on from that grace and what he's done in our lives. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Wow. So I believe that in this passage, Paul presents to us two pictures of what it means to be saved, what it means to have our new identity rooted in Christ. And the first picture is one of citizens, that in Christ Jesus we are now citizens. So when we were at university, where I met Abby, um, with, I know, it was a whirlwind romance, and um, <laughs> I don't think we'd been dating for, t- I have no idea what she just said there, so I'm going to gloss over that. I'm sure it was something lovely. Good, good. Um, so I don't think we'd been dating for that long, and it was the last day of term, coming up to the last day of term, and I thought it would be hilarious if I went and bought a monkey onesie from Primark and showed up to our final lecture of the term in this monkey onesie. So I was just like, you're a genius, Don. This is going to be incredible. She's going to think it's hilarious. So I went out, I bought this onesie. Um, I even convinced one of my mates to buy a tiger onesie and show up to the lecture as well, so it wasn't just me. So bought this monkey onesie. I had to walk from where I lived to uni. It's about a 10-minute walk, so I, I had to put my shoes on over the suit because it, like it, it was a complete onesie, but it covered your, your feet as well. So I put my shoes on over the monkey feet, had a, a like, wee tail and everything. Had, it was, yeah, it was superb. And uh, the, the first moment I realized this is probably not the best decision was walking down the road and cars started honking. And I just thought... <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if I should have done this, <laughs> but I've committed. So like, go big or go home, right? I was like, no, I'm, I'm going for this. Let's do this. And people were looking at me, and I was thinking, oh, no, this is actually quite awkward. And I arrive on the uni campus, even worse. I arrive at our lecture building, and I thought, as I was walking there, I, I justified it to myself by saying, well, at least my friend, he's going to be in a tiger onesie as well. And so when I arrived and I saw him there, and true to his word, he was in his tiger onesie. But I actually made it worse because then there was two of us. <laughs> People were like, what are these two doing? So we, we go up to our lecture, and it just gets worse and worse. So picture this. It wasn't a lecture hall full of 50 or 100 people. It actually was a tutorial. So there was maybe six or seven of us <laughs> with two of us in onesies. And to make it even worse, it was a really, really serious topic. I can't remember what it was, but it was, a, it was quite an intense, um, serious conversation. And there we were sitting in our onesies. We felt like absolute morons, uh, which we probably were, to be honest. Um, 
But the truth is, we often go through life feeling totally out of place. Maybe feeling like you just do not fit in. Maybe even in church, you feel like you don't fit in. Maybe in your workplace, maybe in your friendship group, maybe in your family, you feel like you're just wearing this monkey onesie and nobody else is, is wearing that and you just stick out like a, like a sore thumb. And I feel that God just wants to affirm each one of us this morning. You see, Paul is writing to those who were being excluded from a relationship with Jesus by others. You see, the story behind the passage that we read is that there's this group of people who started with Abraham. So Abraham received all these promises from God and he received this special relationship with God and God told him these promises about how all the future generations following on from him would be made into a great nation and they'd be richly blessed. They'd have a special relationship with God. But God made clear that um, Israel, that's that's their name, essentially the family, the nation, they weren't to be a, a container for God's blessing, but they were to be an overflow of God's blessing. God said that Abraham and his descendants were to be a blessing to every single nation, but God was going to use them as an instrument for that. But by the time it got to Jesus' day, the divide between God's holy chosen people and all the other nations had become extremely hostile. They were called Gentiles, and they were considered unclean. They were considered unworthy. They, even though some of them would be part of the kind of Jewish community, they were still excluded. They were on the, the outskirts of that community. And so Paul starts to use this imagery of citizenship in Ephesians. In verse 12, we read this. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. What Paul was essentially saying is that they were outsiders and they had no hope in what God was doing, or so it seemed. But amazingly, by Jesus' grace, we find that what he did on the cross is that he removed this dividing barrier between those who were considered God's holy people and all the outsiders. He said that by Jesus dying on the cross, that barrier was removed and everyone was welcome. It didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter your background. It didn't matter the color of your skin. It didn't matter your sex. It didn't matter your age. All people were invited to come and have their new identity found in Jesus. But here's where the issue came. As more and more people were coming to know Jesus, there was this tension between God's people, the Israelites, and those who were coming to know Jesus. Because they thought, oh, you know, they, they might be coming to know Jesus, but they're, I mean, they're not really truly God's people. They're not really part of the core. We, we're the core. And what Paul is addressing here is that that is just not true. Because, to be frank, we are those outsiders. We were those outsiders, outside of God's kingdom, and Jesus has shown us that grace. So what do we read now in verse 19? He said, Consequently, as a result of what Jesus has done on the cross, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, 
but fellow citizens with God's people. What an incredible picture to paint. What does this mean for us? Well, firstly, the, the word for, that Paul uses for outsiders or strangers is two words fused together. It's para, which is where we get our word parallel from, so alongside, and oikos, which is a Greek word for, for home, for, for the living place. So the, the gist of the word stranger, outsider, was that you were someone who lived alongside what God was doing. You weren't part of the core. Picture a city. You were living outside of the city. You were an immigrant. You were an asylum seeker. You did not have citizenship. You didn't have access to the benefits of being a citizen of that place. You didn't have access to all of those things. And what Jesus says now is that you're no longer an outsider. You're no longer outside of the city. You're being brought into the city and you're a citizen. This has a sense of permanence to the term. I believe that in God's kingdom, there are no temporary visas for us. We don't have to go through a grueling process of applying year after year to gain a right to remain in God's kingdom. That what Jesus did on the cross was it, was enough. That when he died and when he rose again, taking our what all our mess, all our sin, all our wrongdoing upon himself, being that perfect sacrifice and rising again, that temporary visa of having to um, get God's approval or do things in our own strength was just chucked out the window. And he says to each one of us now, in Christ, you are a citizen of his kingdom. Do you know that today? That in Christ, you are a citizen of his kingdom. You're not going to be kicked out. You're not going to be asked to reapply for your status because it's not on what you've done. It's on what Jesus has done. That's the first image that I want to hold up to you guys. That In our identity as Christians, we have a permanent residence in God's kingdom earned by Jesus. And that is a total free gift to us, that we're citizens. And there might be people here this morning who, who feel on the edge of the community of faith, on the edge of church. Maybe you, maybe you believe that Jesus really does love you and that he died for you, but you just have this hanging sense in your mind that there's going to be something that comes up which takes that away. Something that comes up which proves that really you're an outsider. No, what he has done is sure. As Frank sung about this morning, what he's done is an anchor for our hearts, is an anchor for our souls. We are rooted in his kingdom and we are citizens. We're not going to be asked to go. That's the first key thing that he holds up for us. And the second picture he holds up for us is in that same verse. He says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, the language of citizenship could be um, received as a bit of a removed image. So I, I'm, I'm a British citizen, 
And Bob down the road is also a British citizen, but I have no relationship with Bob. I have no link to him. He, we just happen to both be citizens. Now, Paul takes it one step closer to home and says, so you're a citizen, but also you're a member of God's household. So imagine you've been brought from the outskirts of the city into, into the city itself, but then you've been brought into a home in the city, and that house is God's household. Not long ago, my parents were living in the Middle East, in Abu Dhabi. Um, my dad was going to retire, and he got offered one final project um, to do a big project out there, and he thought this could be his kind of finishing retirement thing. So my parents moved out there, and it was whilst I was still at university, and um, there was one time, it was during the summer holidays, I went back to stay in our family house. And they had a tenant staying in there from our church who um, turned out to be um, a, pretty, uh, a, pretty, a pretty strange guy, let's put it that way. Um, he had a lot of stuff going on in his life that we weren't aware of. And so I flew down to London to stay at home, see some friends for a few days, catch up with people, see my sisters who lived in other areas of London. And um, I arrived home. It was maybe seven or eight o'clock at night. And I went to put my key in the door and it wouldn't open. And I was like, this is, this is strange. So I put it in and I turn it and I could, I could feel the Yale lock turn to open. But I'd realized that, that what the tenant had done, he'd locked it on the inside. And so even though I had the key and it was my home, I couldn't get in. I couldn't, I couldn't get in to open it. So I ended up having to call a friend of mine and say, listen, locked out my own home. Could I just come and stay the night, please? Went and stayed the night, managed to get back in the morning and I, he must have been in bed or something, I don't know. But anyway, the door was open and I got in and got into my home. Again, I feel that as I've prayed for us this morning, I feel that that image of having the key to something but not being able to get in is maybe an image for some of us this morning. That you know you've been invited into God's family. You, you know it. You know you've been given the key. You know the theology behind it, but it's like you, you feel like there, there's a lock on the inside and that you're not fully accepted. And I believe God wants to remind me this morning that inviting you into his household is his acceptance for each one of us. And it's his welcome of each one of us. And it answers the question, where do I belong? So the citizenship is like his seal of approval and welcoming us into his home, into his family, is him saying, I accept you and I love you dearly. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we read this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And Paul talks about how we have this status as children by faith in Jesus. It's not through what we've done. It's not through our good works. We're not part of his family because we come to church, although that's a great thing. We've heard Kerry's testimony. That's been a key part of it. We're not part of his family because we do good things and we serve, although that's important to do. 
We're part of his family because he's invited us in. He's thrown his arms open wide and accepted us as we are in all our mess, in all our doubt, in all our confusion. He accepts us exactly as we are. And he gives us a new identity as children of God in his family. If we read John chapter 14, there's an amazing point where it's becoming more and more real to Jesus' disciples that there's a big change coming up. Jesus is going to die and he's going to leave them at that point. They don't know exactly what's going on, but they know this big change is coming up. And it says that in John chapter 14, Jesus comforts his disciples. And one thing he says in verse 8 is this. I will not leave you as orphans. And he promises them the gift of the Holy Spirit, who will be their advocate, their counselor, who will teach them all things, who will lead them into truth. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. And God says that to us as well today, that he has not left us as orphans. No matter what we go through, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what challenges we come up against, he's invited us into his household and we are children of God. That is our identity. Our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is not in our paycheck. It is not in our job title. It is not in who people say you are. Even if people say you're a great person, it's not in that because that can change. Our identity is in what God has said about us. And he has said that we are his children. We are his dearly beloved children. And he's welcomed us in. And he invites us into the intimacy of his household. This is intimate here. We're not so good at intimacy in this culture, are we? I, I used to live in Canada. I, I lived there for about eight months when I was 18, doing an internship at a church. And the Canadians have a far more intimate culture than we do. They're all about hugs and encouragement and calling things out of you. And it, it's, it's a really intimate culture. Sometimes we can be so, um, we can lack that intimacy. And intimacy can, can, can feel like an uncomfortable word to us. God is intimately passionate about each one of you in this building. He intimately knows you and loves you. He formed you in your mother's womb before you were even um, a glisten in your father's eye. He knew about you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows you and he loves you. And he invites you into his family. And that family is the church. That's us. It's amazing how the language of the entire Bible is one of family. God is our father. Jesus is his son. We are his children and we are brothers and sisters. It's all family language. We're all part of God's household. And the amazing thing in this is that it paints a far bigger story than what we could ever hope or imagine. It slots us into a picture of God's great story that um, covers all of history and that will go on until we meet Jesus face to face. So I, I explained a wee bit about the, the context between the Gentiles, those who are outside of God's people and, and the Jews, and how it says that 
through Jesus dying on the cross, that dividing wall of hostility is removed. The, the root of that imagery, I just want us to spend a wee bit of time getting right into the root of that imagery, which is the temple. Now, the temple was the be-all and end-all in that culture. If you had a relationship with God, you wanted to be at the temple. If you wanted to meet with God, if you wanted to hear about him, you needed to go to the temple. That was the sacred space. That was the place where God was dwelling, where his presence was, and that's where you needed to be. But in the setup of the temple, there was all this division. So you had the Holy of Holies, which was where God's presence was. Then you had the inner courts, which is where God's people could be, God's priests, and then God's people, the Israelites. Then there was a, a, a section there where um, Israelite woman would be. And then there was a further section where all the Gentiles and the other believers would be right at the end of the temple. And here in Ephesians, Paul starts to redefine what God's temple is. Let's, let's read in verse um, 21 to 22. He says this, In him the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And this is the money shot here, okay? And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. So what Paul is saying is the importance of the temple, of that building, no longer means anything in its bricks and mortar. Jesus said, I will, before he died, he said, I will destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And people were like, what? This temple built ye took years to build. What are you on about? The temple Jesus built on the cross is right here. His temple is his people. His sacred place is his people. And he is building us together brick by brick, into his holy temple where his Holy Spirit dwells. Wow. If you're not feeling significant right now, just hear that, that you are being built into a place where God's Holy Spirit dwells because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And that is the second picture we're given. The first picture is one of citizens. We were outcasts. We had no right to God's promises. We had no right to a relationship with him. But we were given citizenship. We were given that stamp of approval. Beyond that, we then get invited into God's household, into his family, into relationship with him and relationship with one another. And then it takes it, one step more intimate not only are we are we his household or in his household not only are we meeting with god but god is going to be living inside us wow and then if i just to make it even more complicated if you're not with me already not only is he living inside me and you and you and you he lives inside us collectively there's something about a community that he's forming 
there's something about a people that is far beyond one person standing up to preach or one person standing up to lead worship or one person going to do this or one person going to do that. Jesus has called us to be a people of his kingdom who know that we're included, to know we've been saved by him, to know we've been adopted as his children, that we're no longer slaves to fear, we're no longer slaves to what other people say of us, but our identity is in him, and he's building us together to be a place of the Holy Spirit, a place where his Holy Spirit dwells. But so much can come against us in that, even now, it's like, oh, but, you know, I've done this thing wrong or I've, I've fallen short here. And it's like things just try and take a hold of us. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, we read this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as members of one body. So that's Paul's imagery of we're, we're one body in Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, we're all brought together in him as one body because as one body you are called to peace. And there's a command there to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. That, that word for rule can also be translated as umpire. So we could say, let the peace of Christ be umpire in your hearts. And what I want to ask you this morning is, what things are being the umpire in your hearts do we have insecurities which umpire our hearts where we face a situation and that insecurity dictates how we receive that situation how we feel what we think other people are saying what we think other people are doing ah what is the umpire in our hearts it says the peace of christ is to be the umpire in our hearts and just to I really feel this morning that it's quite, I've gone into a wee bit of detail about different things, but the heart of it is this, that you are chosen to be a child of God, that you are accepted, that you are affirmed in him, that it is a sure foundation. Because the story we're part of is, is much greater than the moment that, that Carrie met Jesus, it, or the moment that we fall in love with Jesus is way before that and way after that. We're part of this beautiful story that we find our place in and we're welcome. We're chosen to be part of God's family. We're no longer outsiders. We're citizens. We're welcome here. And he wants to give us peace in that place. And the other things which are taking a claim for our, our identity, he wants to compete against those things today. And they will lose. Those insecurities cannot stand against God's word, his truth, his Holy Spirit. But what we have to do is we have to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us in that place. We have to receive those truths. So I don't want to talk any longer, actually. I think it, it would be really great if we stand and we just have that time of ministry and receiving what the Holy Spirit has for us, receiving those truths.